You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. So this morning, it's my privilege to uh, get to introduce to you our guest speaker today. Um, there's a couple things you need to know, first of all. Uh, one, you know, I don't, we're pretty careful about who we let preach here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really rare that I will ever hand a microphone to someone that is admittedly a Mets fan. Like, this is taking a lot. It's taken a whole lot. Yeah, 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 seriously. I even see a Mets shirt. Eric, come on, man. Like, you're trying to help, you're trying to help him out. But uh, here's what you need to know. Once somebody gave me advice, and I don't remember where I heard it or who said it, so I'm sorry if it's you and you, I just can't give you credit. I don't remember. But they said, every time you leave the bathroom, you should leave it a little bit cleaner than you found it. Right? It's a simple little like life principle. Like every time you leave a room, leave it cleaner than you found it. Like just a little bit. Just the, that sense of incremental change. So when we were starting this church, I was introduced to uh, Reverend David Kim. Um, and David is one of those people that every time you meet with David, he leaves you a little bit better <laughs> than he found you. Like David can't not change you. He's just one of those people that everywhere he goes, he changes things. Um, sometimes he does it gently, rarely, but sometimes he does it gently. Usually he does it strongly, and he's been the kind of person in my life to help me really grow and change. And I, I'm just, God knew I needed help, and I need people who would speak. My son, my older son, is actually in work in Treehouse Kids uh, today and is upset that he's not in here. He said, man, I don't want to miss David. He makes fun of you. And he's one of the few people that actually has no problem whatsoever giving it right back to me. He's a brother. David, um, we start off as friends. He's been a pastor. He's planted several churches. He's also with his, his lovely wife here as well. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming. They've pastored. They've done missionary work. They've started schools in Latin America. David has served um, as a professor in college and now serves as the president of the University of Valley Forge, which is where uh, I went. It's my alum. It's where Pastor Dre and Carrie went. It's where Pastor Kevin and Nikki went. Um, it's where so many in the room have, have gone. And so uh, it's an influential school. And um, the school has gone through some ebbs and flows through the years. I've recently gone through some challenges, and that's why they called David. They said, this school needs, we need to kind of, we need somebody who's a change agent. So they brought in David. And uh, we believe so much in what Valley Forge is doing. I just wanted to share and let you know that this year our church uh, has made a commitment to partner with Valley Forge specifically for scholarships, and we've uh, been able to contribute $10,000 towards Valley Forge. We believe in what you're doing. We believe that Valley Forge needs to continue to increase, and I believe that you're the guy to do it. And, uh, David, I'm just excited to have you here. I know you're going to leave change today, so buckle up. All right. David, would you come and would you share? Thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you. Pastor Dan, it's really easy to make fun of you, so you just leave the openings wide open. Um, I can't believe there are Mets, house, uh, Mets fans in the house. I, I just can't believe that you would allow this guy to pastor you. There are a lot of churches that have Mets fans as pastors. Uh, this is, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, uh, but uh, um, Dan and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, I've kind of witnessed this church's genesis as well as the progress and the growth. And uh, I am thrilled to see what God is doing here. Um, I was actually at your church many years ago, 
uh, when you guys were just starting out. And you grew quite a bit <laughs> since then. Uh, but more than the growth in numbers, um, I see the presence of God here. I see the hand of God here. And uh, uh, I don't know, do, I do want to just say one thing here. Um, I, I do actually coach a lot of church plants and like church launch things. And, and I used to be a part of the, in the Assemblies of God, we call it the church planting boot camp. Okay, I used to teach those. And nowadays there are just one type of ideas, uh, idea of starting churches. And uh, it's not necessarily biblical. And it's not necessarily the best way to do it. And, uh, but here at Lifetree, I've witnessed and watched the impact of your church in the community and how you've done it. And uh, that's why I actually had uh, Dan come and teach our church planting class in our, in our school. And he will continue to do so. Um, I just love the way that uh, this church operates and your heart for the community and, and just what God is doing here. And so I'm very, very thankful to the Lord for what he's doing here. Pastor Dan and Anna and all of your leadership team, uh, you guys should really be proud of what God is doing here. And so I'm just it's an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Pastor Dave Greco, you're here. Your lovely wife. Uh, they're both alums. Of Valley Forge. I'm also an alum, 1997 grad. Um, Nikki, who's the worship leader, I used to be on a band with her. Can you believe it? I know, I don't look like the type, right? Um, they made a mistake. They called the wrong person uh, to be on the team. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I happened to travel with her. I, I still remember, there's Nikki, I still remember Kevin you playing the drums while I was in school. And, uh, you know, they're just amazing family. Great to see you, Andre Carey. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Um, I want to turn to our scripture this morning. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 28 all the way to the end of the chapter. Um, (coughs) I do want to read all of it. Uh, even though it's a little bit long, and uh, we'll get to the word uh, quickly here, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, verse 30 to verse 39. It says this. I think you're reading from the NLT version. I will read from the NLT version as well. It says here, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. How many of you been to church know this scripture very well? Okay, God works all things for the good of those who love him. Um, verse 29 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them... Right standing, he gave them his glory. It's really amazing. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a moment. Verse 31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen for his own, no one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor 
at God's right hand, pleading for us. Verse 35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ? Christ's love. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As Scripture says, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, Despite all these things, overwhelming victories are through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I just want to pray just for a second. Lord God, I pray right now that you would speak through me. I pray that you would um, open our hearts to hear your word. May we not go home the same way we came. May your presence penetrate our hearts. And may your word come alive in our hearts this morning. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I think if you saw me on the street, you would never guess that I would be a president of a college. Okay. First of all, I look too young, right? Okay. Somebody said I look too young to be president this morning. I said extra blessing for you. Okay. If you thought I was the appropriate age, no blessing for you today. Okay, but, uh, but how many of you know that God always chooses weak and unqualified people to do his work? And uh, if God wants to really do something, God always chooses weak things of this world to do his work. Because weak people, okay, learn how to depend on the one where the source of power, strength, and wisdom comes from. And so you get to depend on the Lord. I heard that your theme is even greater uh, for these few weeks. I'm really excited about that theme because I do believe God wants to do something great in your life for his purposes, for his glory, for his work. But there are uh, some things that we need to know about when we want to become vessels in the hands of God. Um, I had no idea that I would be serving um, at Valley Forge in this capacity. I actually had no idea. My family had no idea that we would actually be back in the U.S. Uh, we moved to Ecuador and our entire family on a business as missions endeavor. And uh, I was ex- exporting cacao beans. How many of you love chocolate? Okay, I'm one of very few experts in fine chocolate processing of the beans that sources fine beans. Okay, so if you want to know about chocolate, you can come talk to me. I'll tell you exactly what not to get and what to get if you're a dark chocolate fan. But anyway, I was not not supposed to be here. Um, if you look at my skin color, you're probably wondering, what is he? <laughs> okay, and uh, um, uh, I just want you to know that it's not good to generalize people because you just don't know. Is that right? Um, I did not grow up in the States, but I did not grow up in Asia either, okay? Uh, I actually grew up in Ghana, West Africa. Uh, My parents were missionaries, and so most of my childhood memory is from Ghana, West Africa. And so I actually have West African 
cultural cut to my thinking and my heart. It's the weirdest thing. And uh, from there, I moved, of all places, to Fort Lee, New Jersey for middle school. Back then, it was an all-Italian town. Okay, so can you imagine an Asian dude from Africa who went to British school? And uh, I have... Have you ever heard West African accent? Okay, speaking English, all right? That was me, okay? And uh, people were so confused about what I was. And uh, even now, um, as in, at the college, people are confused about me quite a bit. Uh, but, but anyway, I went from, from all Italian town in New Jersey to uh, Washington State. My dad pioneered a church there. Uh, not D.C., Northwest. I was one of two Asian kids in a high school of 600, okay, all white. Okay, so can you imagine what I was experiencing? Okay, you want to talk about cultural shock and <coughs> cultural irrelevancy? Okay, that was me, all right? And uh, all, all throughout that, I eventually landed at Valley Forge just really quickly um, after Valley Forge, I went to work for an organization that worked extensively in Latin America. And so I spent unbelievable amount of time in Nicaragua, in Honduras, in Colombia, in different places, uh, building schools. And so there's a Latin part of me. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Uh, <laughs> and so I, uh, when, I'm, when I'm in Hispanic community, I feel right at home. Okay, and uh, it's the craziest thing. And uh, I have a lot of close Hispanic friends uh, who are ministers and who are, and I just, it's just what I am. And, and the reason why I share this with you is that I'm pretty sure in your journey, you just really didn't think that some of your experiences in life and where you would end up that you actually planned. Is that correct? Okay, did you plan all your life? Did everything work out the way you thought it was going to work out? Nothing I have ever planned worked out the way that I thought it would work out. It's just whether where I was, what kinds of things that I would go through. I just never thought that some of my experience and some of the things that I would go through would be my life. Okay, and uh, I love this text that we read. It says all things in the NIV. It says all things. Work for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And, uh, and sometimes we kind of miscontextualize. Thank you. I know you were doing that intentionally, Pastor Dan. I, I knew you were trying to get back to me just because I'm a Mets fan. It does, that's not right. Okay, uh, anyway. All right, if this thing goes, starts going again, we know it's Pastor Dan. Okay, <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> But sometimes when I read this text and in churches, not here, I'm sure, but in other churches, other pastors, in other contexts, I think it's misquoted quite a bit. Okay? It says when all things work together for good. In our minds, it automatically we think that God's going to work everything in our circumstances for the good of those who love him. And so we kind of lean on the scripture to trust God that God will work every circumstance out. I have news for you. It is just not true. The Bible actually doesn't promise that everything will work out good for you. The Bible actually promises that 
in this life, you will have many trouble. It's actually a promise of God. Do you know what's even more, a little bit more scary? That if you say things like, God, use me even greater. Okay, I actually will guarantee through the word of God that you're going to experience some trials in your life. It's part of the process in which God takes lives through to mold us and shape us and to break us into becoming the kind of vessel that God can use for his purposes. And so what happens a lot is people you only read verse 28 and they don't read verse 29. If you want to know what that good is in verse 28, you need to read verse 29. It talks about God foreknowing, or he had plans. To do what? It says in the NLT, to become. In the NIV, it's to conform. In some translation, is to transform you. That become, that word, is morphe. It's actually changing you into something else than what you were before. What is he changing you to? He's changing you to the image of Christ. It's the image of Christ. We are, God is going to use the circumstances of your lives to transform your heart, your life into something totally different than what you used to be so that you can be used for God's purposes in his desires in his plans, however God wants to use you, in order for that to happen, God is going to allow circumstances of your life to conform you or for you to become the image of Christ. That's what that scripture is talking about. Now, when I signed up to follow Jesus, okay, I did not know that my father would die a gruesome death with leukemia, I had no idea that at the age of 15, my father was an incredible missionary. Um, I mean, he, he's one of those guys who went to the ends of the earth, okay? And I remember his work in the jungles of Kumasi in Ghana. I remember the dedication and sacrifice of his life. I had no idea that my dad, when I was in, co- you know, just right out of college, he would, uh, he would, he would die of a gruesome death. I, I, I pastored in a pretty large church and a really large organization. So I've seen th- I've thousands of people go through all kinds of illness. And I've been at the hospital for all kinds of sickness. I have never met somebody who went through the kind of pain that my father went through of battling leukemia for not just a few months, years and my wife was a part of that. And I, I used to ask the question to God. I said, God, what are you doing? Okay, remember that verse 28? God works all things for the good of those who love him. This is not good. Okay, this, is, this doesn't look good. Okay, I, I just remember asking questions to God. Why am I experiencing these kinds of things? When I decided to follow Jesus Christ, I had no idea that my daughter, second daughter, would be born with Rolandic epilepsy that for many years my wife couldn't go to sleep Because as soon as my daughter would lay her head to sleep, she would go into seizure. And sometimes she would not come out of it. I remember planting, uh, I remember gathering a launch team, a Hispanic church, La Vina, 
uh, in, in Jackson. I remember gathering the launch team and we had an incredible prayer time. Incredible prayer time. And I came home that night thinking, man, this is, God is going to do something awesome through this church. Only to find out that my daughter went into seizure and she wouldn't come out of it. And so we had to call the ambulance. I remember being in the ambulance, holding my daughter's head and asking God, I just had a church plant meeting, a prayer meeting for you, Lord. What in the world is going on? Where are you? Where are you? I remember asking God, where are you? And I remember holding her so tightly. Um, Thank God that, you know, she's kind of managed it and she's out of it now. She's, you know, 16 and uh, she's just kind of grew out of it. Thank God. But uh, it was a very, very difficult time in our lives. And and I had no idea also that when I decided to follow Jesus Christ, that I would be in a life-altering accident. Okay? Uh, in Ecuador, when I moved my entire family there for the cacao business, I was coming back from a farm, and uh, the oncoming traffic swerved into our lane. And uh, my driver, instead of slowing down, um, he was a young guy, inexperienced, and I was so tired I was sleeping. He swerved right. He swung right. And instead of slowing down, allowing the car to move back into the lane, he swung right and hit a massive tree, the only one for 45 miles. And our pickup truck wrapped around the tree, and it crushed my face. And so if you look at my face, there's a little bit of deformity here. I have this scar here, um, and uh, it actually I have three screws in my cheekbones. And uh, my right eye is not my eye. It's actually a prosthetic eye. And so I can't see through my right eye. Uh, this is in 2013. Okay, it's not long ago. And uh, if it wasn't for the accident, our family would not have returned to the U.S. And I guess I would not be president of the college. Uh, but but uh, throughout, the, I mean, these are just a few of the highlights of sometimes living in a broken world, is it not? Sometimes things happen to us. It's just... The broken world, it's nature, it has nothing to do with us. Sometimes things happen to us by other people's bad decisions. How many of you know kids don't choose to be born into an alcoholic family? Sometimes other people's choices and, and what they choose to do impact our lives. And sometimes our choices impact our lives and impact others' lives. But regardless whether... Things happen because it's just a broken world or some other people's decisions or our decisions. No matter what life brings us, this world has many troubles. This has many troubles. But it says, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And I hold on to the promises here that God never wastes suffering, trials and difficulties of your life. That God is actually working in and through those circumstances to produce in you and in me something so much more beautiful, so much more great, that's priceless. That God is actually refining your life to become more like Jesus, to become the image of Christ. This is not just a very simple house remodel of your life. When you decide to follow Jesus Christ, this is not, how many of you love HGTV? How many of you love Joanna Gaines? Okay, 
I don't know what it is with Joanna Gaines, but she, she has a cult following. Sometimes I'm not even sure if the Christians love Jesus more than Joanna Gaines. I don't know what's going on, but I'm beginning to question this cultic following of Joanna Gaines. If you don't know who she is, don't start. Don't look it up. Fight the temptation. Okay? But if you watch HGTV and things like that, sometimes you see this house model, they come in, paint, they fix up a few things. Actually, this idea of conforming you to the image of God, verse found in verse 29, is not that kind of remodeling. It's actually completely uprooting the foundations of your life, totally breaking down what every other thing was built on and redoing the foundation of your life and rebuilding your house to be a vessel for Jesus Christ. And this work, here's the thing. Jesus is, and our Heavenly Father, is the master gardener. He's the master gardener. He is the master potter. He knows what you need when you don't know what you need. How many of you know that his ways are higher than our ways? There are some, I thank God every day that God did not answer some of my prayers. I was like, God, open this door. God, help me with this. I'm so thankful looking back as I was walking with the Lord, as God was walking with me that certain things did not come to fruition the way that I had planned or the way I had imagined, the way I had desired. Because God is the master gardener of your life. He is the author and perfecter of your life. He knows exactly the process that he needs to put you through to use your life for even greater things. God knows exactly what you need at what time. And what things that he will allow into your life. We, we trust in the sovereignty of God. We trust in the master potter's hands to form us and shape us into the image of Christ. So that God can use us for his glory. Amen. Amen. And so here's the other thing that I want you to know. that But in order for you to trust the hand of God. okay? How many of you know trusting God with a certain area of your life is just it's not easy. Okay, I just didn't know how to trust God with my dad. I didn't know how to trust God with my daughter. I didn't know how to even trust God sometimes, you know, when I was recovering from my accident. I didn't know how to trust. But I'm going to give you not my words, but the words that are in this scripture that's tied to Romans 8, 28, 29. It's, a, it's the following verses that talk about the love of God, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You see, when you read Romans, from uh, what Paul is doing here is, if you look at Romans chapters 1 through chapters 8, he's saying, in light of everything that I have told you, here's what I want to tell you about the love of God, and so therefore you can trust him to be the author of your life. That you can actually place your life in his hands for him to work things through for his good. Not the good that we see. Not the good that we think is good. But the good that transcends what we see. That God is working in you that we can actually trust him for. So here's how you can trust him. Okay? Um, I have 
I have a son. He is uh, seven years old. He was actually born in Ecuador. Okay, so he was an Ecuadorian citizen before he was an American citizen. Okay, so I travel to a lot of Hispanic churches, and he usually travels with us. He's actually at children's church today. And uh, he would usually sit in front here. (coughs) And when I'm at Hispanic churches, I always ask the question like, Hey, how many of you from Ecuador? How many of you from Costa Rica? How, how many of you are from Honduras? How many of you from Nicaragua? And uh, as soon as he hears Ecuador, he'd be playing a game. He perks up. And then he would stand straight up. And then he would raise his hand high. I'm from Ecuador. And he would not only raise his hand high, but he would look around to see if there's any other Ecuadorians around. A full 360 degree turn. And then he would sit right back down and go back to what he's doing. He is a character. My wife and I, we are the most boring people in the world. Like, we're introverted. Uh, we don't like activity. We just, we're the most boring people you'll ever meet. But this boy, he's the most fun, extroverted. I don't know if he's extroverted yet, but... He's, he just loves people. He's a character. We have, four, we have three daughters older than him, 18, 16, and who just turned 15. Pray for me. They are gorgeous, smart, beautiful girls. You need to pray for me. I notice how I say not to pray for them, pray for me. Okay, I live in Pennsylvania where the gun laws are pretty loose. And uh, let's just leave it at that, okay? But my son, not just because of his fun character, okay, characteristics, he literally has four moms and a dad. You know what I'm talking about? Like, my wife, our three teenage daughters, they're, look, my, my son gets a little scratch. Do you know what happens in our home? You'll hear from the... Our, whole, our house is an old antique home. Okay, so you can hear the footsteps. You'll hear this all over the house. And you'll hear, like, literally, I'm like, something happens so seriously. You can hear my daughter start crying. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what happened to him? And you can hear, like, literally wailing from our daughters. And I'm like rushing. I'm like, something really bad happened. And I go, and I look at my son. It's literally a little scratch on his finger. I'm praying for my son every day. I mean, he can't, he can't grow up like this. You know what I mean? Like, he just, I, I'm just worried about it, how his personality will turn out to be. I, I just, so far, so good. But I'm just really nervous about how it's going to turn out. I mean, it's just four moms. It just doesn't work, Okay. But, um, but every little thing he does is like, oh, my gosh. They send pictures in our family group text of Eli all day, every day. <laughs> okay, all day, every day. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're so cute. And I'm like, it's all day, every day. That's what we do. Eli, Eli picture, Eli picture, Eli picture. That's what we do. Okay, and let me tell you something. That's how us who are imperfect parents feel about our son. Okay. Can you imagine how the union of perfect love is between the Father and the Son? Father, our God, and Jesus Christ. 
they have perfect love. We have imperfect love, and we feel this way about our son. A little nick on his finger, we're freaking out. But you know what these following verses say? It says, God loved you and me so much that he did not spare his own son to go to the cross and die this gruesome, physically gruesome death. But not only physical death, but an actual separation from God to take on the sins of the world. Sometimes I, theologically, a lot of theologians say it's not the physical death that really hurt Jesus. It's actually the spiritual separation between the love of the Father and Jesus that Jesus experienced encounter that was more painful. I want to remind you again, a little Nick for us, but God did not spare his own son to lay down his life for you and for me. I don't know about you. I just don't understand this profound love. And it is this kind of love that you can trust to say, I don't know what you're doing today in my life, but if you're, not, if you're willing to not spare your own son for me, what can separate me from the love of God? Can angels, demons, life, adversity, circumstances, what could separate me from the love of God that did not spare his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for you and for me? I want to read this text just one more time as I conclude. I'm going to ask Nikki to come back. If you would, you turn to the Bible one more time. I want to read this scripture again, okay? Verse 31. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Verse 32, the key verse, it says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Verse 35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Verse 38 says, I am... uh, Verse 37 says, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victories are through Christ who loved us. Verse 38 says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither 